Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Ahoy, ahoy, and fiddle dee <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Wow. I was given the traditional Easter greeting. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that uh, how Mr. Burns answered his phone? Uh, oh, he goes, ahoy, ahoy, ahoy. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was what they did, like, you know, when the phone was first invented. <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I said that for actually my first cell phone said "Ahoy, Ahoy" on it when it was super advanced and you could like program something on your home screen. So that would flash when somebody was calling you. Yeah. Ooh, that's high tech. Yeah, at the time, <laughs> my little Sprint flip for phone, a brick phone. Yeah. Uh, well, like I was saying, Happy Easter, Chuck. Thanks. Ahoy, ahoy fiddle dee. Do you do anything for Easter these days? Um, not really. Yeah. Yeah. Here. I mean, we we got like a basket. A traditional Easter basket. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, we do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not like we just don't observe it at all. Like like me. <laughs> <laughs> Have you noticed, though, that like a lot more stores close on Easter now than they used to? Mm, I have not noticed. That seems to have like been a recent occurrence, like the last couple of years. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't noticed. Yeah, it's, uh, it's weird, I think. Is it off-putting? <laughs> it's not off-putting unless you're like trying to buy something. But oh, it's more sure. just like, wait, when did this start? That's yeah. my whole thing. Right. When did this start? Yeah. Like you didn't get the memo. No one asked you. <laughs> no. <laughs> and usually, you know, there's a national conversation about whether to close stores or not. We'll do an episode on it sometimes, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But this one just slipped past me. So yeah. Easter has caught me by surprise, or at least closing the stores on it. Yeah, I don't do anything. I used to, you know, do the whole spiel. When you were a little kid? Yeah, of course, growing up. And then the sunrise services uh, yeah. as a young Baptist, we yeah. would climb Stone Mountain. Oh, I'll bet in that the dark. was pretty. Yeah. Uh, it was very pretty, actually. Yeah. Climbing Stone Mountain in the dark wasn't so much fun. I was always I'm like, sure ah. this sounds kind of dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were flashlights and plenty of people around. Oh, okay. All right. That's a good thing about being in the church. They would pick you up and carry you if you broke your leg. Well, that's why there was only one set of footsteps. <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah. Well, back when I was a kid, we get the Easter basket with like one or two maybe little presents in there. Sure, yeah. Um, I, I got the uh, Break Into Electric Boogaloo soundtrack on cassette. Did you really? For Easter? Probably my best <laughs> Easter present of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we also observed the tradition of uh, dressing up uh, even more than you would normally for Sunday church. Like your special Easter clothes. Like my you put on a tuxedo and like <laughs> rub lobster on it or something, right? No, it would usually be like, you know, I got some new pink suspenders and uh Well that's actually an old tradition. Pink suspenders? Well no, but like a new new outfit. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. And did you realize that you were following like an ancient uh, Anglo tradition? Yeah, my mom taught me all about ancient <laughs> Anglo traditions. <laughs> no, it was just Easter was just a little more special. So you would dress up a little more, basically. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. You know, I got my new uh, paisley tie that I have to bust out for Easter <laughs> to go with my mullet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not allowed to buy anything new, but Yumi makes me comb my hair before I'm allowed to search for the Easter basket. Oh, well, that's nice. Uh, well, let's talk stuff. Yeah, I mean, in researching this, it uh, came down to a couple of conclusions. One is that, like everything else that we hold dear, mm-hmm. it had its roots in pagan rituals. Right. And uh, two is that Easter is so, like, it's all over the map, man. Like, we could do 10 episodes on Easter. 
Let's do it. And different traditions and like when it falls according to who you are. And it's just crazy in its variety. Agreed. Even like when Jerry uh, asked when she first came and she said, when's Easter? And we were like, who knows? <laughs> could be in March, could be in April. The Ecclesiastical Council knows yeah, because they're crunching the numbers. Yeah, so go ahead and drop the, the dope there. Okay, so um, the dope is that Easter can conceivably fall any time between March 21st, mm-hmm. the, the uh, vernal equinox, and April 25th. That's right. And it follows after the Paschal moon, which is a full moon, but if you think you're following along so far, prepare to be thrown from the horse <laughs> because the Paschal full moon isn't necessarily an actual full moon that you can see. Yeah, it's not necessarily the astronomical full moon. No, it was at one point in time based on astronomical lunar cycles. Yes. But they have since been decoupled mm-hmm. from what we currently understand. And so now Easter supposedly falls on the first Sunday after the Paschal moon, which is the first f- full moon after the vernal equinox. That's right. But there may not be a full moon anywhere in sight, as far as you can tell. Right. But if you're a churchy type who's in charge of crunching these numbers, you know when the Paschal moon comes and goes, and that's when yeah. Easter will be. Is that the same as the ecclesiastical moon? Is that just another name for it? Yeah. The the Paschal moon is a type of ecclesiastical moon. Okay, gotcha. So an ecclesiastical moon is this church-based. fictitious, yeah, church-based yeah. lunar cycle. Yeah. Um, that in the Paschal moon in particular is the full moon that comes after uh, the vernal equinox. And Paschal comes from the Greek for Passover. So it's the Passover moon. And that makes sense because Easter was originally tied to Passover. It was the first Sunday after Passover, right? Yeah, and then in uh, 1582, uh, as part of the Gregorian calendar, Pope Gregory the 13th laid down the decree but still, it gets more confusing because if you are Eastern Orthodox, mm-hmm. you might follow the Julian, Julian, <laughs> Julian calendar. It's the, the calendar that's sliced in a thin <laughs> little strip. What is wrong with me? The Julian calendar. Uh, and that can be like a month later you'll be celebrating Easter if you follow the Julian calendar. Right. That was the one that predated the Gregorian calendar. That's right. And there's actually some really interesting stuff about those. We should do one on calendars sometime oh man it's so vast yeah and weird yeah and i like to keep my calendar simple well yeah you know who who doesn't i mean that's the point seven days month 12 months what else do you need boom you go further out than that it, it gets murky yeah uh so again we have no idea when easter falls this year but we can tell you for certain it will fall between march 21st and April 25th. Okay. For all the reasons we just said. March 22nd? March 21st? March 21st. Okay. Which is the vernal equinox. Okay. So there you go. All right. Um, so all of this is to say that Easter, if you're not getting the idea yet that we're using words like ecclesiastical and a word that's derived from the Greek for Passover, Easter is a very ancient uh, tradition and custom in Christianity. Sure. But it's not mentioned in the Bible. No. Um, the the whole crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus, mm-hmm. which is what the Easter cel- Easter season is meant to commemorate, it's all in there. Yeah. But it, they don't go, and then, now go forth and celebrate this. 
That's not in there. Right. And that is because uh, it was co-opted and absorbed by uh, the Christian church from ancient, even more ancient, um, pagan holidays and rituals. Well, I think it, it initially was kind of like like they celebrated it right around Passover. Yeah. I think it was kind of one of those things where like, hey, we've got this thing we're commemorating mm-hmm. uh, at about the same time you're used to commemorating Passover. Right. So I know you're born Jewish and your mother's going to be disappointed, but come over <laughs> to the Christian side. And then later on, when it spread out into Europe, it, it kind of took on all of the other stuff as well. Yeah, but uh- – you know, even biblical scholars and, and most historians will agree that it was originally a pagan festival. Uh, and the word Easter is from Saxon, the Saxon uh, of, in origin, uh, E-A-S-T-R-A, Istra, the goddess of spring. And sacrifices were made in her honor uh, around the same time as Passover, like you were saying. Yeah. And so by the 8th century, Anglo-Saxons uh, basically co-opted this name to... Uh, coincide with the celebration of Christ's resurrection. Yeah. Boom. And there's there was this uh, article in The Guardian about the pagan roots of Easter. Um, and the, the author, I don't remember her name, but she basically says, like, you can take it even further back than that to, like, Egypt and Mesopotamia. Yeah. And the, uh, if you've seen um, Zeitgeist, which I realize is not the most credible movie on the planet. <laughs> But it's interesting, and there are some interesting conclusions and comparisons drawn between resurrection myths yeah. of you know the Egyptians and the Mesopotamians and others, yeah. and you know the ones that, that celebrate Easter and the resurrection of Christ. And this author makes the case that like you can take the origins of Easter that far back, even right. But then, as it kind of went all along and along and along, it just picked up local traditions are absorbed or folded in local traditions until we have this Easter that we understand today, which includes the Easter bunny. Yeah. And the Easter bunny apparently is born out of that pagan ritual, um, the uh, the vernal equinox ritual, spring ritual for, how do you pronounce her name? The goddess of fertility and, and renewal? Esther? Oh, uh, yeah. Esther? Uh, Estra. Estra. Uh, her, her symbol was the hare, yeah. which became the rabbit, I guess, which are two different things, by the way. Yes, they are. And so nowadays we have the Easter bunny, which is a magical bunny that can lay eggs. Yeah, and uh, Germanic, of course, the Germans always have uh, their finger in everything, you know, like Chris- Christmas and all these holidays. Sure. Um, they always have their finger in everything. What does that even mean? <laughs> um, it is said uh, that Ostara... Healed a wounded bird she found in the woods by changing it to a hare, and it was still partially a bird though. And the hare showed its gratitude in return to the goddess by laying eggs as gifts. So that's, that's nice. Also, and like we said, there's while people agree that it is pagan in origins, there are many, many stories, and no one can settle on the one saying no. It was uh, Ishtar, right? But Ishtar is one of them that they think could have, you know, been the original, had it, had its roots there. Yeah. Now, if you're a Christian um, and you don't have, like, your hands clamped to the, your ears and are stomping your feet and, like, go la, la, la <laughs> really loud right now, uh-huh. you're probably saying, hold on, fellas. Yes, the Easter Bunny, not Christian in origin. Um, the, uh, the Easter Egg, not necessarily Christian in origin. Yes, there's a lot of pagan um, land rituals. Nature, nature rituals that yeah. are incorporated in, 
But if you take the whole thing back to the original, as far as Christianity goes, what the whole thing is celebrating or observing is the um, life, death, and resurrection of Christ. That's right. And so specific days over the Easter holiday have been um, set aside to commemorate this pro- this process that took place about 30 CE. Yeah, and even uh, you know historians that say no, it's you know pagan in origin, and it was maybe Ishtar. Um, they're not saying that Christ wasn't a person who was uh, crucified, and uh, they're saying that they have. There were so many parallels that all these things kind of became crunched together. Right. Uh, at one point, it was co-opted. I'm trying to be respectful here, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? Sure. It's like they're not saying that it doesn't exist, but it was it was a pattern, a widespread pattern, and uh, Christians like just kind of absorbed it. Well, yeah, the I mean, celebration part in this Guardian article again, and I, I think it's also in Zeitgeist. You can take it back even further before Mesopotamians and Egyptians ever existed, and say that there's uh, legends of the sun. Yeah. S-O-N, dying and then being resurrected, mm-hmm. um, and that you could connect those things to the sun, S-U-N, yeah. dying as winter sets in and then being resurrected in the spring and connecting that with being crucified on the cross to the Southern Cross constellation. So these are possibly very, very ancient conceptions. Yeah, and, min- and there are many, many stories of, of, of important people dying and being resurrected. And some were born on December 25th, too. Right. So uh, if we have offended you, we apologize. We weren't trying to. As a matter of fact, we just did a lot of tap dancing, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, it's history. Sure. So uh, we'll get back to Easter and the Christian observance of Easter uh, right after this. Stuff you should So, Chuck, we're back, and like I said uh, a little while ago, um, Easter in the Christian tradition commemorates the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ, yeah, right? Yeah. And so days are set aside to commemorate specific dates and specific events in Christ's life. And they're actually believed, uh, at least by Christians, and I, I think some historians as well, to kind of closely resemble the days of the week that these things happened. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole Easter season. Right. You know? Yeah. So the Easter season is technically 46 days long. And um, most people think, well, Lent is the Easter season. And that's 40 days long. True. But there are six Sundays in the Easter season, Easter Sunday being the sixth one. Yes. And those are considered special days where Lent doesn't apply. They exist outside of Lent because they're meant to be celebratory masses. That's right. So you technically don't have to observe your Lenten fast on these days. Yeah, and Lenten was the original uh, Middle English, um, which is where Lent came from, means spring. Oh, I thought it meant I'm not eating chocolate right now. <laughs> well, it might for some people. Uh, so let's talk about the season. Um, Lent, we mentioned, um, six weeks. Well, let's back up a little bit. Should we talk about Shrove Tuesday first? Yes. Okay. You might know it as Fat Tuesday. Or Mardi Gras. Yeah, which in, I think Fat Tuesday came from France when they would eat all the fatty foods mm-hmm. ahead of uh, Lent. Right. 
So basically, the you know when you when you go through Lent, what you sh- what you're supposed to do is sacrifice something, or maybe many things. Right, because you're commemorating Jesus's fast of forty days after being baptized. That's right. And um, practically speaking, back in the day, I guess Thomas Aquinas and some of his buds decided that when you are fasting for Lent, you're you are abstaining from animals that or food that is killed. Right. So you're not eating chicken. Right. Or duck. Yeah. Or pig. Or any animal. Cow. Uh-huh. <laughs> anything that you kill to eat. Yeah. Fish. They they decide fish too. Mm-hmm. Don't get me started on fish. <laughs> uh, and they they decided that oh after thinking about this and talking about it and discussing it and having councils and finally they came to a decree that not only is the food that you have to kill forbidden food during Lent, mm-hmm. the products from those food. Are as well. Yeah. So basically, they're Eggs. saying, like, if you're a if you're a observant Christian, you are you go vegan for the forty six days or forty days of Lent. That's right. Um, many people, though, just choose symbolically to, like you said, I'm going to give up chocolate, just something that they love. I'm going to make a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give it up for Lent. Right. But the point of Shrove Tuesday is this is the last day before Lent. You don't want all this food to go to waste. Yeah. So you make a bunch of stuff and you eat all of your supply and you get fat. And then you go into the Lent season, the Lent fast, right? Yeah. The UK, like I'd never heard of Shrove Tuesday, but it's big in the UK. Um, pancakes are the traditional meal uh, because... It contained fatty milk and eggs and things like that. Yeah, and eggs are forbidden because and, yeah. they're a product of those animals you kill. Well, and stuff Chickens. that would go bad right. over the next 40 days. Right. So it's also a way to not waste your food. Exactly. And uh, it's the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday, um, which is next. So Ash Wednesday is the first day of the Lenten fast. That's right. And um, basically it... it you're you're going into this fast and you are um you're just kind of becoming uber christian at that moment <laughs> like you're taking on like just this just super christian persona and you're like it's very solemn and to commemorate it you get uh, a cross of ashes placed on your forehead and the cross is made from the palm fronds from last year's palm sunday service yeah it should be which we'll talk about later but they save them they burn them and they use the ash of these blessed fronds to put uh, crosses on the foreheads of the penitents the next Ash Wednesday. Yeah, and the palm fronds are significant uh, as the uh, what they use to um, fan Jesus when he was uh, resurrected, correct? No, when he rode into Jer- Jerusalem on a donkey. In oh, I thought it was after the CD. resurrection, no? No. Okay. It was when he he rode into Jerusalem triumphantly to take his title as the king of kings. Gotcha. So they wave palm fronds. Yeah, they were like, woo, Jesus is here. That's the impression I have of the palm fronds. <laughs> um, Man, I was really paying attention in confirmation class. You sure were. Um so quickly, if you see someone, if you're not very religious, if you see someone with ashes on their head, uh-huh. um, anytime in the spring, <laughs> don't say, hey, you've got something on your head. You got a little. Uh, yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Because it's there for a reason. Yeah. Um, all right. Where are we now? We are at Lent. Yeah. So we're in the middle of Lent. You're starting to think, wow, some eggs would be great. I wish I had some shrove cakes or 
anything made from an animal or animal itself. Or you're not saying that. Maybe you're just fine with it. Yeah, there's a lot of people who don't necessarily follow that traditional vegan fast. Sure. Um, but will give up something for Lent. That's Chocolate, right. candy. I always tried homework. It never worked. Um, <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, yeah. Just jokingly, you know, I'd be like, I'm going to give up homework, okay? I never, even growing up in the church, I never observed. Um, maybe it was Baptist didn't observe it as much, but I never observed Lent. It was big time Catholic. Oh, sure. Especially with my family. It was like, you got to give up something. So t- typically you'll give up chocolate and you give up chocolate. And then when Easter Sunday comes along yeah. and Lent is over, make yourself sick. You, yeah, you get chocolate <laughs> all over your face, which that's is right. actually following in a pretty old tradition because that's where Easter eggs came from. The giving of Easter eggs. Uh-huh. It was a forbidden food that you couldn't have during Lent. So then when Easter Sunday came, people would give each other eggs as gifts, like, hey, enjoy the heck out of this egg. Right. Because you haven't had one in 40 days. Yeah, and the egg obviously also being a symbol of um, birth. New life. New life, spring. Pagan vernal rituals. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, so now we are at Palm Sunday. That's right. And then, like we said, this commemorates Jesus triumphantly coming into Jerusalem to That's right. claim his title. And people wave palms to welcome him in. And then so people have palm fronds at Palm Sunday services. And remember, they hang on to those and burn them and use them for the next Easter's Ash Wednesday. That's right. So this is the last Sunday before Easter. I have palm fronds in my yard. You should sell them to some Christians. I was gonna, well, I was going to give them away. Oh, I guess you could do that too. Yeah. But last year's palm fronds are now hanging dead on my palm tree. Well, it's it, they don't have to be a year old. It's just the ones that were used during the Palm Sunday service and were blessed last year. So they probably wouldn't want my palms. They, they my don't fronds. want year old palms. You want like fresh ones fresh for fronds. Palm Sunday. All right. Yeah. But you want them to be old for the following Ash Wednesday. Gotcha. A year later. That's right. And holy water, I don't think we mentioned, is used uh, with the ashes to put on the forehead. Oh, yeah. 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 Makes a little... Very important. Schmussy, like a paste. Yeah. Charcoaly paste. Mm-hmm. Okay, then we're at Maundy Thursday. Yeah, the wildly underrated Maundy Thursday. Um, <laughs> Why is it wildly underrated? Because you never hear about it. It's true. You know? I didn't know anything about it until we researched this. Yeah, Monday spelling uh, M-A-U-N-D-Y, not Monday Thursday. That'd be weird. Right. Um, and a mond or mand is a basket, uh, and they were used by fishermen to put their fish in, so... Many, many years ago, there was uh, a fair held in Norwich or Norfolk today, and basically a big just sale where, uh, like a flea market, and the fishermen would carry <laughs> their, what? This flea market associated with Easter is hilarious. Yeah, it is. Uh, people would sell their wares, you know? Right. Or let's call it a, uh, not a flea market, but a, what do you call it when they have the- uh, Farmer's market? Yeah, like a farmer's market. Sure. There you go. Or like a market. Yeah, but they were selling- Stuff from the farm. Yeah. But they also had like clothing and stuff too. So it was Hey, good point. Flea like market. A supermarket. <laughs> okay, it's a supermarket. Um and the fishermen obviously would put the fish in their mons. And um that's basically where the name came from. I mean yeah. it's kind of that simple. Yeah. Everybody would just come together and um You buy new clothes. You would buy new clothes. And that's where that ancient tradition that your mom had you follow with your uh-huh. pink suspenders. Mm-hmm. Something new. The Easter bonnet, they believe, came from that, too. New little Easter dress or Easter shoes or something like that. Yeah. 
having something new on Easter, customarily, you will buy that on Maundy Thursday, or at the very least, it came out of the Maundy Thursday market from the Old English. That's right. And the other tradition we had was to sneer at all the people who would show up for church who we never saw the rest of the year. Oh, yeah. We'd be like, oh, I remember that guy. Easter and Christmas. Saw him last, uh, yeah, I saw him a few months ago. There's a whole subset of, cri- <laughs> of Christians that are like Easter Christmas Christians. That's right. They just go for the two big ones. Mm-hmm. I remember them. So you judge, huh? I did. <laughs> so wrong. I cast thee out. Uh, are we at Good Friday yet? Finally. Please tell me we're at Good Friday. Um, that day, uh, back in the ancient times, the first two centuries, good and God were sort of synonymous. Mm-hmm. And I guess, is that where the word good comes from? I would guess As so. a descriptor of God? Yes. They couldn't be bothered to keep that second O in. That's right. But Good Friday is the commemoration of the crucifixion on the cross, the actually day of crucifixion. And um, it is somber, but they, they want to observe the peace and not necessarily the sadness. All right. It's not supposed to be a day of mourning. No. No. it's a, But it's still somber. I don't know how you put it. I remember Good Friday Masses. I, I can't quite describe the tone of them, but, yeah, it's not – It's not. you're not celebrating. Right. But you're also not um, – Crying. It's a little more serious, though, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's just so interesting, these, these days, these holy days during the Easter season, you learn so much Yeah. Uh, because the whole thing is like, this happened this day. Yeah. Like on a Friday, they're pretty sure that Christ was crucified on a Friday because remember the Romans were in charge of actually executing him and they kept excellent records. Yeah. True. So we have a pretty good idea of all of this stuff. Um, so you you just learn so much, like the Stations of the Cross. Did you guys do that? Mm, I don't think so. Any Catholic church has different places. They can be really elaborate. They can be in stained glass. They can be just a little number or something like that. Yeah. It's the Station of the Cross, and it follows Christ's path while he's carrying the crucifix and being tortured along the way right. up to cavalry yeah. and um, is placed on the cross. And, as you know, it's all just, just uh, steeping. Uh, this ancient tradition into you, this young inculcate, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, you know, if you're just paying attention, it's really interesting historically as sure. well. Yeah. Um, and you learn it over and over and over and over again because you hear the same thing every Easter. Yeah. I think that's, you know, it's part of the idea is you get it ingrained in you so deeply, you know? Yes. Um, we should have just called this former Baptist and former Catholic <laughs> hang on by the skin of their teeth. <laughs> Well, uh, let's keep everybody else hanging, and um, let's break before Easter, huh? Yeah, let's do it. Stuff you should know. All right, Chuck, we're back. Let's get to the fun stuff. It's Easter. <laughs> That's right. Easter, so we said Good Friday isn't, it's a, not a day of mourning, but it's a somber day. Yeah. Easter is the exact opposite of that. First of all, we should say you have Saturday off. Now it's Sunday. It's mm-hmm. Easter Sunday, and it's a day of celebration. Yeah, a lot of fun. Um, you, you and your family, you might uh, have Easter egg hunts. Yep. I looked up the origin of the hunt itself, and I couldn't find for sure because I don't think they know for sure. But uh, there are some historians who think uh, they can trace it to uh, Martin Luther, the Protestant Christian reformer. He's supposedly the guy who invented the Christmas tree. Too. 
Wow, man. Look at that. <laughs> Got a long legacy. Christmas tree and the Easter egg hunt? Yeah. How about that? Um, so Easter egg, he supposedly definitely had Easter egg hunts. Supposedly definitely. Supposedly definitely. Um, where he hid eggs, uh, men hid eggs and women and children would, uh, look for the eggs and they think it may be tied with people looking and hunting for Jesus' tomb. Um, but that isn't verified because, uh, some, you know, some of these traditions, no one can trace back the exact origin, you know? Well, yeah. But if it was Martin Luther, I mean, that wasn't too terribly long ago. No, that's a good point. Uh, you mentioned eggs, uh, and we talked about eggs being a symbol of newness and fertility and rebirth. And uh, this goes back to uh, dying eggs, goes back to ancient Egypt and the Persians, who would dye eggs and exchange them uh, with friends, uh, like you said, as a reminder of the resurrection. And uh, I guess just to make a plain white or brown egg look a little more fancy, they dyed them. Colorful. Yeah, and so eggs are also customarily dyed red to sure. com- to symbolize the blood of Christ. They're also dyed green in Germany and Austria. Yeah. I looked all over for this. This The only reason I could find is that they're, they're meant to symbolize the bitter herbs that Christ was forced to eat while he was on the cross. Oh, interesting. Pretty pretty melancholy, huh? Yeah, but they I think in Germany they still do that. Yes. On Wednesday. Maundy Thursday. Oh, on Maundy Thursday? Yep. Green Egg Day. Uh, and I should also give a shout-out, Chuck, to our slideshow on awesome Easter eggs. Yeah. We'll definitely post that on the podcast page. Yeah, and scary Easter bunnies. Yeah. You had a couple of good Easter ones. We'll put those both up. Man, those are good. There are some scary Easter bunnies out there. Um, hot cross buns. Again, not a part of my Baptist upbringing. No. Did you guys have hot cross buns? No, that's pretty British and... Um, they had them in New Zealand. I'd never seen oh, them really? before in person until New Zealand, yeah. Yeah, I haven't either. But yeah, apparently they're sweet buns. Yeah, custom, merrily baked and eaten. And um, Easter. what's funny is apparently is again, an ancient pagan Anglo tradition to bake sweet buns as an offering to the gods around the vernal equinox at, for the spring festival. And uh, I guess the Christian church said... Uh, let's let's stop doing that again and again. And it didn't take and finally like put a cross on there. Okay, well it kill you to put a cross on, so they put a cross on, yeah. and now you have hot cross buns. Well, supposedly the cross was there before, but it didn't symbolize that because uh, they baked the cake in the form of a bull mm-hmm. for Zeus, and there was a cross <laughs> to represent the horns. Yeah, but again, let's like let's make some changes to that. Yeah, and uh, so hot cross buns are still a thing. I've never he- eaten one though. I haven't either, but apparently they're sweet. Uh, oh, are they? Well, yeah. Like, are they sticky buns? I don't think they're Cinnabon? sticky buns, but I think they're sweet. <laughs> okay. We'll go get some. All right. Uh, and I think what I thought was pretty interesting was some of the weird um, traditions <laughs> around the world. <laughs> they're weird because they're different. Yeah. I mean, when I say weird, I just mean uh, unusual to me here <laughs> as a big dummy. <laughs> Peculiar. Yeah. Nothing inherently is weird about any of this. Uh in Bulgaria, they had a little thing called egg tapping, or they still do. Yeah. Um, and it's basically like the old pencil game you used to play in elementary school. The old stab your buddy in the arm with a pencil. <laughs> nope. When you would play the pencil popper game where you would try and break the other guy's pencil, and they would, they oh, would try yeah. and try to break yours. It's basically what you do with eggs. You take hard-boiled eggs, and you tap the other person's egg, uh-huh. hoping to crack their egg but not your own. I got you. And you keep doing this until you get your egg cracked, and then you're out. And the last person 
in Bulgaria who has an uncracked egg is said to have uh, you know good good luck throughout the year, right. prosperity. So you get a, a fifty dollar gift card to Longhorn Steaks. <laughs> That's right. Um, there's another cute Bulgarian tradition too, Chuck, that where the grandmother, while she's coloring eggs with the kids, will color one red and have the kids come over and she rubs it on their cheeks in order to bestow you know health and robustness to them, like rosy cheeks. Yeah. Isn't that the cutest thing you've ever heard? It's adorable. Especially if they're wearing pink suspenders at the time. That's right. And especially if the dye is made from a non-toxic substance. (laughs) It's got lead and mercury in it. Their teeth just immediately fall out. That would be no good. Uh, In Mexico, (laughs) uh, they have another egg game. And uh, the way I see it is they empty the egg of the yolk and the... um, and the white, you know how you can poke the little holes uh-huh. in either end of an egg and blow it out? Yeah. And then they put, um, I guess, confetti in there. And then they smash them on each other's heads. They blow the egg out and blow the confetti in. <laughs> uh-huh. um, Man, I got a one-liner for everything. You do? All right. How about uh, how about the U.S. where we just have parades? Uh, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> you <laughs> no. put me on the spot. Yeah, parades here in the U.S. in Atlantic City, they've had one for about a... Close to 150 years now. Did you know that? No, I had no idea there was an Easter parade. I'd want to see that. I know. That, I knew. I've heard about the New York it? one. There's a New York Easter parade. Yeah, um, I think Fifth Avenue has an Easter parade. Oh yeah, yeah, I see that. And Irving Berlin has a song called Easter Parade. Yeah, and of course the big White House Easter roll. I knew about this. I always thought it was just the Easter egg hunt, though. I didn't know about the Easter egg roll. Yeah, I think it's part of it. Where you roll an Easter egg across the south lawn of the White House? It's kind of like track and field day. No, that's the egg toss. Field day? Well, the whole thing all together. There's like a hunt. There's like an egg roll. There's an egg toss. There's celebrities who are on the USO tour that stop by. It's like field day. Yeah, George Clooney's there. All right. Giving out eggs. And you get your commemorative egg, too. Yeah, and apparently it started out, Congress had it um, on the Capitol, and the president... Well, a specific president, Rutherford B. Hayes, said, no, this is the president's thing now. We're moving this to the White House. And they did. Yeah. And now it's just one of those things, sort of like the sparing the turkey on Thanksgiving. It's a big press op is what it is. Well, Let's it's, be honest. It's funny that you mentioned sparing the turkey on Thanksgiving because there's this other tradition in, um, in uh, where is it? Hallettan, uh, Leicestershire, right? In England? Boy, this is crazy. And it's the opposite of sparing the turkey. Yeah. So there's a tradition in this little town that a, a wealthy woman was spared from a, d- being gored to death by a bull mm-hmm. when a hare ran across its path and, I guess, distracted the bull or something. Yeah, that's why I took it. So for some reason, to thank the hare, she deeded some of her land to the local church and said, you can have this land, but you have to make sure that all of the parishioners and everyone in the town gets some hare pie. Like pie made from one of these rabbit type things. Yeah. That saved her life. Yeah. That's no way to thank something for saving your life. What to cook it and eat it? Yeah. You <laughs> and your ancestors are gonna end up in a meat pie that we're gonna make every year for everybody. Yeah. Four pounds of flour, two pounds of lard, two hairs, three pounds of onions, seven pounds of potatoes and seasoning, and you have yourself a deliciously disgusting hair pie. I think it sounds good. Yeah, I, well, I don't eat rabbit and stuff, so or, or meat pies, really. Really, this ticks a lot of boxes for me. You mean I tried? A, um, I can't remember what it's called. It was a type of meat pie again in New Zealand mm-hmm. um, at McDonald's, and it was like this 
like cut up meat and gravy and cheese. Oh my god! Like pot pie, basically yeah. is what you call it. It was so disgustingly good. Oh really? Yeah. It tastes good though. Yeah, but I felt but in that McDonald's really way. bad about myself with every bite. Yeah, yeah. But it still tasted good. Do you know what meat it was? Uh, they claim beef. Okay. Yeah. So it was a beefy gravy pie. Yes, with cheese in it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds delicious, actually. Um, but then here's where it gets really a uh, little odd to me. <laughs> to go along with the hair pie, they have um, uh, something called the bottle kicking. All right. Which is basically rugby with a beer keg. Yeah. Three beer kegs. Two of them are yeah. full of a gallon of beer each. Yeah. This is part of that wealthy lady who deeded the land's request that not only did you have to serve a meat pie to everybody, you also had to give them as much ale as they wanted. So all this is commemorated in a the, the making of a hair pie mm-hmm. by the people of this little town. Yep. They carry it through the town up to St. Mark's, I believe it's St. Mark's, St. Michael's Church. Yeah, St. Michael's. And um, the the I guess the priest, the local priest, cuts the pie up, hands it out to the crowd. They take some of that pie over to another place that's called Hair Pie Bank, which is a not a bank, but an embankment. Yeah, it's like a procession that ends there. And that's where this bottle-kicking match starts. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a couple of neighboring villages that basically battle it out. And like we said, they're basically barrels of... Uh, Ale, like uh, I think you said, two mm-hmm. have ale, one does not. And, you know, there's all the ceremony that goes into the actual starting of the match. And then when the match starts, it's a game of sort of rugby or football, if you're American, where you're trying, you know, you're carrying this thing around, running with it, trying to get it. Kicking it. Yeah, kicking it, running with it, doing whatever you can to get it, handing it off to your friends to uh, to advance it forward with right. obstacles along the way, like right. fists. And this is... Another clear example of Christianity co-opting a pagan ritual. Yeah. Because Hair Pie Bank is an old pagan place of worship. Yeah. And if this whole thing doesn't smack of pagan tradition, like pagan festival games, I don't know what does. Plus, the chairman, the guy who's running the bottle kicking competition, is called the Master of the Stowe. S-T-O-W-E. Oh, I thought he was called the Wicker Man. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, all this started at, at Stonehenge, basically. Yeah. But now it's an Easter tradition. Uh, and the master of the stow, stow means a place of worship among uh, Anglo pagans. Yeah. So they still even call him the master of the stow. It's been dressed up that little. Yeah. But they have a good time. And it's bizarre. And they, they advance the barrel over to their uh, – the way – the best I can see is that to their uh, – to like the line of their village, the property line of their village is like the end zone, I guess. And then they drink it. Right. Well, the winners drink it in front of the losers. But just to kind of make them sore and rub it in. If I know my friends over there, there's plenty of beer aside from those two barrels right. to go around. And then the one sober person is in charge of collecting all of the palm fronds from Palm Sunday and storing them until next year in that giant wicker man. Yeah, in my backyard. Well, that's Easter, Chuck. That's Easter. Uh, if you want to know more about Easter, you can type in those, that word to, in the search bar of HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said that, it's time for Listener Mail. Thank you, Easter Bunny Bok Bok. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I'm going to call this um, 
little more on tea. I got a couple of these actually in the coming weeks. Because boy, we got some good feedback. People love their tea. Uh, greetings from Kyoto, fellows. I'm a longtime listener. Um, I actually started listening when I just moved to Japan in 2010 and didn't know anyone uh, yet, so you guys kept me company. It was really great to hear you talking about matcha on your latest podcast uh, about tea because I had no idea it was catching on stateside. Here in Kyoto, matcha-flavored everything is a given. There's even a drink made of oolong tea and matcha liqueur. Um, apparently, I don't think she likes the liqueur, though. She says, I live down the street from where one of the three main schools of tea ceremony used to be. Uh, and while I'm here, I thought I'd add my two cents about pronouncing Japanese words. Um, they're basically just five vowel sounds in Japanese. A is a long A, like ball, rather than apple. Uh, I sounds like E. Uh, e sounds like E. O sounds like O, as in rainbow. U sounds like U, as in goo. And Y isn't a vowel. It will always be connected to another vowel, A, O, or U. So how about that? Okay. Uh, and she, uh, this is Nikki. She's gearing up for Cherry Blossom Festival in Kyoto, which I bet is gorgeous. Oh, yeah. And um, she said, Josh, that uh, if you ever venture out to Kyoto again, that she would love to let you know some things that you can do. Thank you very much. There. That is nice. And um, she says, I love the podcast. Can't wait to the next one. And that is Nikki Mahler. Thanks a lot, Nikki. Kyoto. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see the cherry blossoms there. DC's got an amazing one, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. Stuff. Lovely trees. Uh, if And, Chuck, I got to tell you, it makes a lovely coffee, too. Starbucks over in Okinawa had a, a cherry blossom flavored coffee. Really? Which is, this, it's kind of a made up sweet flavor, mm-hmm. but it is amazing. So it's not derived from the tree? I don't see how it could be. Yeah, interesting. But it has like, it fits perfectly. You're like, yes, this is what an ideal <laughs> right. cartoonish Japanese version <laughs> of the taste of the cherry blossom would be. Wow. It's perfect. Nice. Um, anyway, if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 